This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. So there I was checking out azcardinals.com. I'm just going to get right into story time here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. I saw the big screaming headline, key off-season dates. And then when you consider the date on which it was actually published, posted, and there was actually no significant mention of the most significant date in a decade, at least that's what it says here on this story. That's what I see all over the Internet, that – the palindrome that is today's date, two twenty two twenty two. Yes. Putting the two into Tuesday, if you will. And this is in some rock and roll station where they're playing two from Led Zeppelin. We're talking Tuesday as in the palindrome, a Fraser number that's the same backwards and forwards. Darren Urban, as the overseer of the website, that is azcardinals.com. Yes. I mean, there was no real breakdown of the palindrome upon which the offseason really begins to 22-22. What, and, and how do you figure that it begins that day? Well, according Other, to your offseason uh, uh, dates, this is the first day in which what you can tag someone, franchise tag, and that oh, sort of just true. sets into motion all the business transactions upon which everything follows. Right, Danny? Oh. I mean, you know, I figure there's two kinds of people out there right now. On this 222 Those that agree with Paul Calvisi and those that don't. There's Pauly Palindrome, and then there's the folks who are celebrating National Margarita Day, which happens to fall on 222-22. So you're one or the other. There's only two kinds of people. Why do you have to be one or the other? Why can't you (laughs) celebrate the palindrome? Actually, it's the palindrome week. It's not just a day. Why can't you celebrate that with margaritas? You're right. I do view that as two distinct demos. I really don't see, like, the palindrome folks associating and partying with the National Margarita people. But you're right. It could be one and the same. Emmett Smith put out a a social media ad today. Old number 22 put out a social media ad because apparently he he works with a tequila company. I see. Former Cardinals great Emmett Smith. Did that's he, right. Did he launch his own tequila with 22 in it? And that's the, all the rage right now. You launch your tequila brand with your area code next to it, right? That's uh, There's <laughs> like three or four of those right now. Celebrities putting out their Troy own Aikman tequila. Troy just did one with beer. And now he's doing eight. beer, The eight yep. beer, right? So that's there you go. Time. I mean, I guess I bring that up because we see this guy. Where is it? The New York Post. They interviewed a palindrome enthusiast. What does that mean? He's a professor <laughs> of electrical engineering. At the University of Portland, not to be confused with Portland State, the alma mater of Neil Lomax, by the way, former all-time great Cardinal quarterback, true. okay? He's been, quote, studying palindrome dates for over 14 years. <laughs> and in the picture, in the story, he was wearing a paper bag on his head, okay? And it was stenciled with 22222. It was the equivalent of the, of, the, of the guy in his basement with a tinfoil headset on, except this is a paper bag with a date. 
stenciled on it. I wonder what you do to study palindromes. Can't you just look at calendars in the wait, next wait five years First and, all, and no. figure it out? He he finally gets some national recognition and he wears a paper bag for his <laughs> for his yeah. picture. Yeah. So you know. Maybe he's camera shy. It's not he's about got him, to, Darren. You got to clearly have to keep a secret identity <laughs> if you want to do this stuff. Here's a woman who was born in 2000 on February 22nd. It's been the birthday I've waited for. I actually didn't care at all about my 21st birthday at all. She told the Washington Post this. My whole life, I've been trying to find the meaning for it. I'm still searching, end quote, about her 22nd birthday on today because she was born in 2000 on the state. And that's that's the golden birthday <laughs> if you turn the age of the date your birthday's on. So I think whatever she wishes for will come true. That is powerful, man. That's powerful, is it not? This is like a Bill Walton, Big Lebowski yeah. moment, man. Speaking of Big Lebowski, you guys went bowling? Really? I was Darren. Give us the scouting report, Danny. You're going to the Combine, both of you. So get the scouting report started. How is Darren at the lanes? You know, once Darren got through our warm-up game, he yeah. was actually pretty good, pretty consistent. Mm. He was more like the quiet. Like, a lot of us are very, like, energetic. Like, hey, did you see my strike? Darren just kind of moves in silence. And then you look up at the score, and it's like, Darren, you've see had some good throws. Throw. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't bowl very. I think the last time I bowled was actually with a work get together, which was we used to do a bunch of them. We used to back in the day. I remember having uh, the old football video coordinator used to organize a bunch of people in the organization, and that included coaches. I mean, I've bowled with the great Russ Grimm before, and, oh. and uh, Ken Wisenhunt once, and. And the great Danny Serac now, too. Exactly. (laughs) Considering how Wisenhunt and Todd Haley used to kill each other and pick up basketball, I'm guessing those guys were competitive. Yes. Uh, Well, (laughs) I think the bowling always – that that tends to – when you do pick up basketball, it's a little different because that's all you have is the basketball. The bowling, there tends to be some other things. We would would have some giveaways. There might have been some uh, beverages drunk giveaways we don't do that yeah there's a group of us from work we go every uh every week to go bowling we recruited darren are you gonna come back at some point at some point Uh, probably not every week okay i mean speaking area codes on his birth certificate it says the 313 detroit the d i mean what do they do in detroit i mean you you can pick up parents i didn't know that there's still like a bowling column every week in the detroit free press for pete's sake so of course darren knows how to roll just happy the free press still exists (laughs) Our Jim Omohundro is flexing over here, apparently, by the way, because he has what is essentially a trophy. It's a bowling pin that has been labeled with all the winners of the Cardinals bowling bash circa 2008 through 2011 or so. And it looks like Omo's a repeat champion over here. So uh, he's officially flexing. Yeah. Omo was invited to bowling. He just didn't show up. Of course, he's originally from St. Louis. So once again, it's in his DNA, the whole bowling thing. So that's how that works out for him. Okay. All right. So. Didn't sure, wasn't sure if you guys were into the advanced analytics that would be the palindrome. Uh, I'll spare you the uh, quote from the numerologist who actually went through, if you add them up and you divide all the numbers, and then at the very end said, and I quote, it's a means of self-expression. That's a very powerful tool, talking about palindromes. So uh, let, let's hope that uh, you know the advanced analytics uh, actually don't come into play. If we were able to here. do gifts off of, of looks right now, I just would have had one <laughs> off of Danny. <laughs> right. I'm just right. thinking that is a lot of math to do, and yeah. that is just not yeah. my strong suit. So yeah. that just doesn't just sound fun to me. just look of what the <laughs> everlasting <laughs> F right. is going on right. around here. That's right. And uh, you know we'll get to your combine trip in a minute, but I'll keep it simple. If we want to talk about numbers, let's just talk about number one. Okay, let's just talk about number one and where that is right here, right now. Because hey, think about this. 
think of um, let's just say all the speaking of headlines, right? All the headlines this time a week ago or so. And now think of how things can change over the course of one week. Anybody happen to flip on some of the talking head TV shows this morning? Now all of a sudden, there's Tim Hasselbeck on ESPN. And I quote, I think Russell Wilson has played his last down as a Seahawk. What time what time did you what time did you see that? That was about nine this morning, eight thirty. Okay, so, this morning. So it was even before, see, because everything I saw this morning was the Aaron Rodgers stuff until he clarified his stuff. Correct. So there's Aaron Rodgers there and then there's the Niners situation. What exactly is it? Pro football talk is screaming. They stole my take, did they not, here on Cardinals Underground from three weeks ago that Tom Brady, Tommy, is going to end up being a 49er by the time this season starts. Why does so everybody think he's going to keep playing? Didn't he say something like, who knows what will happen in six months? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I just know he retired. It just it looks really funky if you completely – if you do everything that he did when he retired, including all the messages and all that stuff, and then you still come back. I just think it looks poor. So I guess my point is here in a roundabout way as we segue to the topic that is Kyler Murray, that just give everything a week. <laughs> it'll. It, there's always something a-brewing, something stirring somewhere, especially when it comes to the quarterback position. And who knows what the rest of this offseason is going to bring to Darren's point about Aaron Rodgers. Who knows what's going to materialize there? Who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson now that that's actually ending up in court and the judge is saying, no, no, no more delays. That's front burner. Who knows what's going to happen in Indianapolis? Supposedly, reportedly, they're done with Carson Wentz. What does that mean exactly? There was news this morning on Daniel Jones and that the Giants are committed to Daniel Jones. Really? Or is that a bluff? And so, have you not seen enough on the quarterback that was taken second but, but after Kyler that draft year? Here's the problem right now, Paul, is you're feeding into all this stuff that we are seeing. Like, we're here in the middle of all this, and we're wondering why all the national people are saying some of the things that they have about Kyler in certain ways, and yet you're doing it with the other quarterbacks. What, what's up with that? What I'm saying is it just eventually – what comes around goes around, and it eventually hits almost every team. I would team. agree with that. It's the pros and cons of social media. And, that, and that's, I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, Paul, you and I are old enough, unfortunately, to, to remember some of the older storylines of – quarterbacks whether it's John Elway making sure he doesn't play for the Baltimore Colts or whatever and yet I mean that would have been just as big a deal it's just there wasn't the speed in which it got passed around to the general public I had a question on this week's mailbag along that line just talking about how much harder it is to do what we do in this world where and and he was his jumping off point was Kyler but of course with everything just everything is like this huge dramatic soap opera in the nfl but i'm like where where isn't it i mean look at the nba for goodness sake look at look at every sport with between social media the ability uh between be, between social media's ability to get the big platforms to be able to put their stuff out right away and for every tom dick and harry to be able to say exactly what they're feeling about every single rumor in the moment that's all it's ever going to be anymore is, is we're going to have off seasons of of everything, all this speculation. Because let's face it, even if somebody comes out and even if Kyler had a press conference tomorrow or Aaron Rodgers, well, Aaron Rodgers did talk, or Russell Wilson, it's probably not going to quell everybody because you're still going to have half the people going, wow, I don't believe that. I don't believe what you're saying. 
So it doesn't matter anyways. And it's so easy to repost or reshare yes. whatever platform. Right. Somebody who doesn't have credible sources or isn't just posting an opinion and somebody takes it the wrong way. It's just so easy well, to... Well, the Patrick Mahomes stuff. Did you guys see that yeah. stuff? Yeah. Probably not. Some some guy posted out there and he was pseudo media, but he put out there that Patrick Mahomes had told his fiance, I think they're still oh, they're yeah. married yet, and his brother and that his they brother. couldn't come to games anymore and it was completely false. But like why by the time Patrick Mahomes even said something, it was all over the place. And not only did it get reported as fact when it wasn't, but then everybody sees the chance to comment on the fact that, mm. oh, you should have done that a long time ago or whatever, and it's just, I don't know. Did you see Carson Palmer? He, he made the rounds not see him. during the Super Bowl week, and there he was. Uh, it was either Dan Patrick and or Pro Football Talk. I'm not exactly sure. And he was just talking about the playoff loss that was. Cardinals go to L.A., lopsided loss. Carson, you know, look, everyone saw it. Team didn't play well. Quarterback didn't play well. It's Kyler's lowest passer rating of his career, the 40.1, if, if memory serves okay. And then Carson went on to say, and I quote, now, I'm not saying the Cardinals won't re-sign him. They have to re-sign him. They've been through QB purgatory. And I thought – and so – you guys know, and you do an official mailbag. So you're fielding questions officially, but wherever you go in town, you're usually getting a question about the Cardinals, and it's usually about the offseason. And lately, it started with number one. And my response is something along the lines of, look, the question isn't the quarterback. The question is, what do you put around the quarterback? Can you figure out the offensive line? Protect thy quarterback. Make Kyler comfortable enough to step up in the pocket. Can you put the pieces around him so – if a top-flight receiver goes down, you still have a viable passing game that you know it isn't so easy to defend the Arizona Cardinals. Sean Jefferson talked about that, the Cardinals wide receivers coach on the Big Red Rage most recently. Darren Little did a little bit about that on azcardinals.com. And, and, and I just asked him the two-word question everybody asked. What happened? Cardinals went 7-0, and 10-2 what happened and in terms of offense within which Sean Jefferson was speaking he just said yeah we were hit by injuries and then one in injury in particular to DeAndre Hopkins happened to change the way defenses played us and it just seemed to have this trickle down effect so to me that's the challenge in the offseason would be okay how do you evolve the offense how do you put those pieces around Kyler yeah, Carson did go on and mention about look when D-Hop went down everything changed quote-unquote Carson Palmer and you know, they need that extra piece on the outside. Whether Christian Kirk is coming back or not, whether Christian Kirk is getting a ton of interest on the free agent market and what exactly that means, they still need that outside receiving threat to go along with the DeAndre Hopkins. And so that at least that is usually my pat answer when someone, you know, bum rushes you in the gym or something, as you can tell. You know, my off <laughs> I've been winning the offseason, you guys. You guys are boring. <laughs> I'm working out, winning the offseason over here at Pauly Pencil Neck. So, boom, that's my standard answer. No, I agree. I think when you're looking, the offense is definitely where your eye is drawn to, of whether that's draft or free agency where you want to put a lot of that effort. I will say the offensive line, I, I do agree of, you know, that's definitely an area to look at. I do still think it's important to recognize the first couple of weeks dealing with injuries and figuring out Josh Jones and who they wanted starting, it wasn't until like week 16 
that all of those starters were starting a game with Kyler Murray. So I do think that is something to keep in mind when you're looking at the offensive line's performance as a whole of the depth and the way that people were plugging in and changing positions mid-game sometimes. So I think that is something to keep in mind. The only position I can kind of think of right now that might, might change the way I would prioritize pieces around Kyler Murray would be if something happens on defense with pass rushers. That's kind of the only position group on defense where if something does or doesn't happen would kind of find its way to the top of the priority list for me. I'm not taking away. I I do agree. I think getting another reliable wide receiver so you're not just having to rely on DeAndre Hopkins is incredibly important for Kyler Murray in this offense. However, there's just that one spot on defense where if something does or doesn't happen, I I don't know that offensive line and a wide receiver are one and two on how you prioritize the offseason. I think maybe it becomes one and three or two and three or however you might look at it. I'm with you on that. Protect that quarterback. Get to the quarterback. Those are the two priorities in football. Once you have the quarterback, Mm -hmm. put it that way. And and you know what? There are other ways to – find that number two receiver already we're seeing all this buzz and noise out of Cleveland Jarvis Landry is going to be due 15 million this coming year what does that mean for a five-time Pro Bowl receiver what exactly are they are they able to do with Jarvis Landry is he going to somehow hit the market so for example there might be someone coming free you could pair with DeAndre Hopkins that you're not anticipating or seeing on the radar right now it doesn't necessarily have to be number 23 overall in fact I'd be more inclined to maybe go round two, round three for the Cardinals. You can find those guys in those secondary. Look at all the the guys, A.J. Browns and Debo Samuels of the world, who weren't first-round picks, who are just difference makers and playmakers. So, Although I will say when it comes to that, usually you're talking about the top half of the second round. And, and let's not forget that the Cardinals are picking 23rd now. Uh, and I think it's 23rd every round. But like you're in the back half of the second round too, so – um, you know, that's that's something I think I mean to me, if if you were still picking top ten, let's say you're picking tenth and then you're picking tenth of the second round, then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that makes more sense to me. You might be in a position now where if you really like a guy uh at wide receiver, you might take a shot at him at twenty three knowing that he's not there's no way he's making it all the way you know maybe you would pick him eighth in the second round but you're not going to have a pick until 23rd in the second round you just want to make sure you get him it, i it's it's going to be fascinating to me this offseason um how it plays out i mean danny's got a great example and and without saying it obviously chandler jones is the one everybody's talking about i mean if chandler jones is scheduled to be a free agent um, we're going to know sooner rather than later if he's going to hit the open market. It feels like he's going to. I don't think they franchise tag him um, because it would cost so money, much money to tag him. Um, and it would be $20 million plus? Uh, I think it's $24 million plus is wow. what, what Joel Corey of CBSSports.com was reporting. And that I, I, was, I, I had mistaken because it's 120% of the previous year's number. I thought it was 120% of his salary which would put him in the 18-plus range. But Corey reported that it would be 120% of his cap number, which would put it up over 24, I believe. So, um, you know, these are the kinds of things that you have to uh, kind of figure out. And if you, if there's a chance you're going to lose Chandler Jones, I agree the pass rusher has got to jump 
into a major thing because that, that's that there's that's a big hole that you would have to fill. Thing is, though, if you get to number twenty three. And you don't want to force that pick. You don't want to force the need, force the position. You know what? There are enough positions where you can find someone who is a valid pick at number 23, whether you're going receiver, whether you're going edge rusher, whether you're going corner. In fact, Daniel Jeremiah is a mock draft 2.0 on NFL.com. What would you guys think about adding another Kyler to the Arizona Cardinals? Is this town big enough for two Kyler's. I was not aware until this mock draft that there's a top flight corner who plays for the University of Washington, UW, and do the Cardinals specialize in UW DBs? Say yes. With Buda Baker and, uh, and Byron, Byron Murphy. Murphy, okay. Even Zeke Turner, who's a linebacker yep. now, but he was a sure safety, safety. at UW. Yep. Kyler Gordon is his name. Six foot, 200 pounds even. He has a vertical of nearly 43 inches. This is pre-combine. That, supposedly, that's what he did. And he has a he has a background in, like, uh, dance and karate. He has unbelievable agility skills, apparently. And so, anyway, that would be problematic for us as members of the media. If you had two Kylers on this roster, that, that would all of a sudden be, what, Kyler and then Kyler G? I don't know how we – I don't even know <laughs> – K1, K1 and K2, but that's already Cliff Kingsbury. So K1 now what? and KG. KG, I mean, okay. It's not like we got to worry about Kevin there Garnett. Yeah, okay. There you go. So, uh, you know, there's – but once again, there are enough positions legitimately in the draft where you're figuring, okay, someone falls to you at number 23 where if you don't get the position of need, then you got to trade out of that spot because you don't want to draft someone higher than is. No, I don't think that's the case this year. There are enough needs where you do take one of those three positions. And it's not only that. I mean, you also have what is the philosophy in terms of approaching it as best player available? Is this player so good? I feel like we saw the last couple years with all these wide receivers of Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb and Jamar Chase of, is this player so good, even though wide receiver might not be one of our top three needs, he will be a difference maker for years to come. We need to take him with our first pick. I think that's something too that just kind of comes in play, especially when you're at a tricky spot, the bottom of, you know, the draft and, you know, 23 is pretty, I wouldn't say bottom, but you're definitely obviously whatever, near the lower end of it all. And that's what it gets tricky is the lower rounds of, okay, this is a really good player, but do we need this position as much for a player that good? But that's what makes the draft so fun. Then again, Steve Kime has been at his best when it comes to trades. Yeah. And if, if you're looking at the fact that Super Bowl 57 is in your own building and you fl- feel like the rest of this roster – if you're able to keep most of it intact and you're looking at a team that started 7-0, and 10-2, and you can correct what happened, went, went wrong in December and January, maybe you are closer than you think. What's going to happen to the Rams? How many of their pieces are they going to be able to retain? We've already gone through on this podcast what could happen to the rest of the NFC, depending on where Aaron Rodgers ends. Even if they get Aaron Rodgers back in Green Bay, they're like $50 million over the cap. So depending on what else happens, you figure if your time is now, could number 23 just be a trade piece? And once again, Steve Kime has been at his best when he's made picked up the phone or fielded calls and executed trades. So I wonder to what degree the Cardinals do follow the blueprint that the Rams just put out there. Well, well Trading the unknown for the known. Before that, I think my, my point I was going to make, the beginning of your last statement was – is it fair for us and everyone to say 
can you carry off of last year in the sense of you were so close, you might need a few more pieces when so many of those key pieces are now free agents. So I'm just curious to know of, you know, the good of this team that got them to 7-0, 10-2 of so many names are free agents and realistically who's going to be back from James Conner, Chase Edmonds, Zach Ertz, uh, Chandler Jones, like all of these names. It's just Christian Kirk, something to be curious about. A.J. Green of realistically, are they going to be far off or not from what got them to that point? last season this isn't the Buccaneers they're not they're not going to keep the band together for one more run I don't there's just no way that's going to happen for multiple reasons I don't think um it would be funny if they trade out of the first round they're the only NFC West team with a first round pick and then they could trade out of it and just the whole division says screw it but uh yeah this discussion is always fascinating to me at this time I mean honestly um I know very few of the potential draftees, especially once you start talking about beyond the probably the quarterbacks um, until after the combine, because I'm just not paying attention to it. And so much changes with free agency in terms of what might happen in the draft, unless you're picking really high and you might need a quarterback. You know, that's that's not going to change in free agency, probably. But for a team like the Cardinals uh, and picking at 23, I mean, we can't. There's just no, I, I don't, I don't think even they could have a good idea of what they might do with that draft pick until we get through free agency, which is still a couple of weeks out after the combine. So, that that's what I'm fascinated to see. Going back to what Danny was saying, the number of guys that they have that are free agents, who might stay, and what they might be able to do otherwise in terms of moving the cap around, doing things with the cap, how would all that work out? I'm, I'm going to paint you a best case scenario. Tell me if I'm, if I'm looking at this through, you know, these cardinal red colored glasses, okay? This athletic list of the top free agents comes out. James Conner, incomprehensibly, is not on the list of the top 75 free agents. But maybe that's a harbinger of what's to come. Maybe that's a sign of how the rest of the league views the running back well, position. I was going to say, why would that surprise you? Exactly. So okay. look at James Conner signed on the line that was dotted last year for less than $2 million. Essentially the minimum. Yeah. And so a guy in his prime, now he has a Pro Bowl season under his belt, still getting ignored in the list of the top 75 free agents. Maybe the Cardinals do make a pretty darn good offer that other teams aren't. Well, and it doesn't break the bank. I could see just based on the position he plays, James Conner comes back. And we all know the importance of him as a playmaker and the mentality he was on offense and how guys raved about James Conner and what he did for the Cardinals in that locker room and that sideline. And we all saw it firsthand. Chase Edmonds as a running back. Maybe takes a one-year deal. I could see Chase Edmonds languishing for a while in free agency. No one comes forward within a significant long-term deal. He likes it here. He figures, okay, maybe this is my best place to excel. I'll aim for next offseason. He's back. Chandler Jones, I tend to think he's gone. The tag isn't realistic. Darren mentions the number. He's number six in this ranking. I think his reputation is one of the top premier pass rushers of the last decade. He's on the all-decade team. I I think he's gone. I, that's just my gut feeling he's gone. You address the pass rush position number 23 overall. Christian Kirk. There's an X factor. The need for receivers in this league, and I think when you look at the film, there's a lot to like. I think there's going to be interest in Christian Kirk big time. I'm curious to see which way that trends. But if you're able then to somehow in free agency yourself get that other receiver or two, 
because right now the only knowns in the receiver spot are DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore, as we talked to Sean Jefferson about. Everything else is TBD, right? Yeah. When it comes to and Rondell Moore, if they and move Wesley. and if they move him outside a little bit more, Rondell Moore and get him downfield, Sean Jefferson is of the opinion he is fully capable of that, that his route tree is exceptional for a rookie and he can make plays downfield, something we did not see a whole bunch of, obviously, from Rondell Moore during his rookie year, and he got banged up most of the second half of the season as well, so that didn't help. Right there, you've brought back a pretty good nucleus. Now, what's going to happen at interior guard, Justin Pugh and his contract situation, that right guard spot, what is Justin Murray's status with the back injury? He was your best right guard. You really could have used him down the stretch. Okay. Those are the sort of things. But I think there is a plausible scenario where despite all the free agents to be, the Arizona Cardinals are looking at, and the potential for change, I think it's somewhat realistic. You could keep a good nucleus of those guys together. It would be the edge rusher, to Danny's point, that I think is the big X factor and that extra receiver. And if you could somehow check those two boxes, and who knows what Steve Kime has in mind, you never know when you're going to wake up one day and J.J. Watt is sending out a tweet wearing a Cardinals uh, shirt in a squat rack, and then all of a sudden everything changes with the addition of one or two pieces. I love the optimism. I'm not saying it's not possible, (laughs) but I don't see realistically all of those scenarios working out as nicely as you just described and I'm sorry that's not personal Paul I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer what's wrong with being personal against Paul because <laughs> Paul and I share an office no. you can be personal against uh, Paul and you true. go up to a whole different level well, that's all, well I don't know about a whole different level but uh, well you go up to the third floor that's true okay B- believe me I'm I'm endured more than 20 years of this so I'm, you know <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm definitely calloused uh you know you let me have it and and you are and that's fine <laughs> I'm not I'm not mm, I like the idea of that I just realistically, I think when you start talking about the cap and all those things as well, I just don't realistically see that happening in terms of what a lot of those players are probably hoping to get, what the Cardinals might be able to offer them, who are they going to draft. I think all of – I just don't realistically see – you didn't even touch on tight ends. Well, oh, and then the tight end scenario, if you figure, okay, now Max Williams coming off injury. Is he really going to get a big money deal? He's around 30 years of age, right? Max Williams, is he going to get a big money deal anywhere? I could see Max Williams coming back easily. Just And then is Zach Ertz, you heard him talk about his affinity for the AZ, and the wife is from Mesa, and they're enjoying things here. I could see him taking a deal at this point that is team-friendly because it works for their lifestyle and their the liking. The reason he – didn't want to stay in Philadelphia was because he wanted a nice extension and couldn't get it. Well, that was, I want to live in your world. That Paul. was Philadelphia. That's before he got all the free vitamin D, as they like to say, with all the sunshine in in Arizona. So you know, I'm just I'm trying to paint a somewhat plausible picture. I mean, is Zach Ertz? Look, Zach Ertz was available all of last off season, and up until the trade deadline, did anybody trade for him and make him that offer? What why? makes you think they're going to do it now? Well, I think one of the reasons was because they knew he was going to become a free agent and they knew they could, if they really wanted him, they could sign him after the season was over. They could have made a, a deal last off season or during the year and extended I, his contract again, at any point. That's, we'll that's all I'm saying. I, I'm not, look, I'm not ruling out that any of these guys come back, but it's, it's going to take, when you talk about the cap guru, Matt Harris, and Steve Keim and the front office, it's going to be interesting to see how kind of how all they juggle all this stuff because 
they are going to have to juggle some things to make some of these things happen because of some of the cap numbers that they are facing. And it's, it's all very doable. It all is very doable. Um, but the question is, do you, do you want to upgrade? Again, it only takes one team out there to wow James Conner or Zach Ertz or Chandler Jones or whoever we're talking about. You know, and, you know, for for Zach Ertz and Chandler Jones, this is – they're going to see this as their last big chance. Um, James Conner may or may not have that, but if James Conner can't cash in on the season he just had – He's not going to cash in, and I'm sure he knows that too. There's one other position, though, that I think is underrated that I do think is a need, dare I say dire need, and that's D-tackle. I think this team could really benefit from a stud D-tackle who has a future in front of him, a young, that young, and they're very hard to get, albeit. But that is one thing. The position that was supposed to be Jordan Phillips in that investment that never materialized – there's a reason they went out and went after Jordan Phillips two years ago, yep. and that's still a need. And you saw the inconsistent rush defense, and you saw the inability to collapse the pocket from the inside, and you saw too much attention paid to 55 because there wasn't that interior D lineman that he could pair up with and run games with. Zach Allen at times was that guy. He was banged up more than we thought by the end of the year. He was dealing with persistent injuries, and, and there were times where he flashed. But is he really that franchise stud defensive tackle no he's a great he's he's a starter legitimately he's in that rotation but you got to get that guy and so if for all this talk and myself included about an edge rusher or a corner or another receiver or maybe a big time interior guard at number 23 overall if the cardinals on draft day in the first round ended up with a defensive tackle i would not be shocked no i wouldn't be either and it's funny you bring that up because again this is why the draft is so fascinating especially in the early rounds if the Panthers had not taken Derek Brown and there was talk about whether they would take Isaiah Simmons or Derek Brown. This, as we saw on flight plan, the Cardinals were ready to take Derek Brown. And, and if you have Derek Brown and not Isaiah Simmons, it just would have been fascinating to see how that played out because you'd, you'd probably still be talking about finding a young uh, sideline to sideline linebacker, but you might have the defensive tackle you might need. Yeah. That's how it always plays out. Yeah. No, well, that's I mean, what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, like, there's always that hindsight of whatever you're missing you could have had. You know, we, we talk about CeeDee Lamb now, and it's like, well, it would have been nice to have CeeDee Lamb, but, you know, you were going to have a hole somewhere because you weren't going to draft whoever you, in that case, Isaiah Simmons. Here's, here's the other thing, too, is when you talk about first-round picks, does anybody think Jordan Hicks is coming back? As great a season as he had. And the fact that he was voted a captain by his peers in the locker room again, as great as he was with the media, and he won the good guy award, right, for the media at the end of the year. He truly deserved it, too. Yes, the Lloyd Herberg Award. I want to get that right. Isn't that correct? Steve Schoenfeld Award is the the, uh, media award. The Lloyd Herberg is the team MVP. Team MVP. Okay, thank you for the clarification. See, that's why I ask this sort of stuff over here, Danny. But if you bring Jordan Hicks back, which I do not expect, but let's just say you did, does anyone have a doubt he would beat out Zayvon Collins again? And your first-round pick from a year ago would be on the bench again. It would not be your Mike linebacker. So if there's one thing I'm fairly certain of this offseason, you're not going to see Jordan Hicks in a Cardinals uniform next year because he's standing directly in the way of progress of Zayvon Collins, the 16th pick overall from 2021. 
Is he a free agent? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. I just don't think you're going to see him on this uh, roster, I, whether I, it's a I trade, what you're saying. whether I, I, it's I a release. I, I could, I can understand your argument. Yeah. He's, yeah. It, if they, if they do something, it would, they would have to make the move to do mm-hmm. it. Uh, I'm not saying that wouldn't happen. Um, I guess in the end, it would kind of depend on how you feel about Zavin. Um, you know, the other thing is, is if you feel like Jordan Hicks's contract is such that it works. And I don't know if you, after everything that happened, if you do this again, but, you know, it's not like you don't need three linebackers in there, you know, and if you get rid of him, who's that third guy, even if you want to, like, pave the way for Zayvon Collins. I'm fascinated to see this, and that includes how they line up their linebackers in the first place. I mean, both Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins took some snaps down the stretch as edge linebackers. True. Now, do either one of them really fit the mold how you'd really want? No. Isaiah Simmons isn't bulky enough, and I don't know if Zayvon Collins really is that is an outside rush type guy. But maybe that's what they do. Maybe that's maybe that's what we're missing right now is if they move along from Chandler Jones, which may or may not happen, that maybe they're planning on using one of those guys out there in some kind of package. I don't know. I mean, you'd love to say, hey, uh, look what the Cowboys did with Micah Parsons. Can you move Zayvon Collins outside? But Micah Parsons seems to be a singular talent. So, yeah, uh, I think that's – yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want to put that on Zayvon Collins right now. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what the film said about Zayvon Collins, the reps he got on the outside linebacker spot in, in December and January. But, you know, I, I didn't see a Micah Parsons where you knew it the moment you moved that guy to the outside and he was crushing the pocket and getting to the quarterback on a regular basis. I mean, you know it when you – you know, and he just – he just had, a, had that inherent pass rush ability. Deservingly one defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. So, you know, th- that's that's when I look at this offseason. And, and you guys are going to get a sense, are you not? You're going to go – you're going to Indianapolis. You may or may not have a chance to get on. Are the, are the decision makers meeting the media like normal, Darren? They are. They're going to have those press conferences, yes. both the head coaches and the GMs from each respective club. Not everyone does it, but – uh, as far as I know, Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime will be meeting the media. Nice. Okay. And there's no boycott, right? They they haven't. I saw this stuff over the holiday weekend, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on with all well, this? Well, the so- boycott, the the and the boycott you speak of was it was a bunch of agents frustrated because uh, in an effort to be careful with COVID, they had basically told players that. Uh, you're going to be in a bubble once you get there and you can't have outside people meeting up with you. And the agents had a problem with that, especially since oftentimes at the Combine, agents and their players bring trainers and stuff. And, and, and That's right. I, I've seen it multiple times walking through the convention center in the middle afternoon or even at night, and the convention center can be empty a lot of the time if you go into the right places, and yet... Uh, they have guys like running sprints through the convention center because it's indoors and you there's nobody around and you can get them warm and you can do all this stuff and the idea is to be ready for your workout and they didn't like the idea that these uh, that these coaches or or trainers couldn't be there so they had a problem with it um, and the NFL basically said okay you guys win 
You don't have to be in a bubble. Please be careful, but we're not going to hold you to a bubble. So there's no boycott. Now, well, that still means some guys aren't going to necessarily work out. And they were always going to go. They just weren't going to work out. They were going to go and do the interviews with the teams, do some of the media, uh, do the medicals. They just weren't going to do the workout stuff, which some of them will now. And and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, there's always guys that don't do it anyways. So I had no idea. I've never been to a combine, so full disclosure. You're I, missing some really good stuff, Paul. I, I had no that idea. That sounds sarcastic, Darren. I'm excited to go to Indianapolis. Have you never, you. You've been there, though. I have been. And and he's missing some really good stuff, isn't he, Danny? <laughs> Carry on, Paul. Anyways. I just had no idea that they brought all these support personnel with them. Like yes. I'm fully aware that these top prospects are getting ready for the combine and the draft, and they have weight coaches and speed coaches and nutritionists and therapists and – I don't know, maybe a mental strength coach. But I had no idea that they brought this whole team with them well, to Indianapolis. I don't know if they bring the whole team, but they bring, you know, a couple guys for the for the drills that they do. And even now, like the NFL moved it the the bench press and the on field stuff used to be on different days. The NFL is trying to get the bench press and the on field stuff for these players on the same day and a lot of players might just say, Yeah, I'm not benching here. I'll do it on my pro day. And also too, a lot of players end up working out at the same facilities with a lot of the same trainers. Yeah, and, yeah. It's and, not and, and like every single well. guy's got a different – yeah, I mean, you can have a group of guys. Gotcha. Okay. Well, as one agent said, I'm looking here, uh, it's not the time to be guinea pigs for change and use your career as a bargaining chip. So a lot of the agents were not on board with the changes the NFL was thinking about, and so they acquiesced. As Lee Steinberg said, it's in the interest of the NFL to have full participation of all 324 prospects who are going to show up. Probably true. And so, uh, okay, I get it. So that's the latest from the boycott update desk. Um, there was a lot of a lot of consternation about um, – Yes, it had nothing to do with the re- right. U- Ukraine and Russia. <laughs> oh, no, it <laughs> Let's, let's hope not. It's going to be as cold, though. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's hope it doesn't do to the stock of the prospects what it did to the stock at Wall Street, put it that way. So, uh, what are you, so Darren, so as someone who's never been there, I mean, give us a little primer on what you expect to come away with at Combine 2022. Well, I mean, uh, for me in this particular circumstance, the, the biggest thing that I'm coming away with doesn't really have to do anything draft-related. It's going to be – the first and probably only time for a while that we're going to hear from Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury uh, mm. in this first part of the offseason. And obviously with everything that's going on with a quarterback, that's going to be something that everybody's very interested in. So that's the main thing. But, I mean, getting a chance to, to hear from some of these players kind of where they are. Uh, I plan on doing a couple of stories on uh, a couple of Arizona State players that are, are there that can all, always make some interesting uh, interesting stories locally here. Uh, and you know, that it, it's a chance to kind of hear, hear what's going on in the league. Um, I don't partake in this as much anymore as I used to, but, um, there's as much business getting done, uh, in the bars and the restaurants after hours in Indy between media and teams as there are during the day, because that's just kind of the culture of it. And it's going to be interesting to see, uh, I know the time for the combine to be in Indy every year is coming to an end. I think there's a chance it still could go back every once in a while, but they're going to open it up to move it around. Is that official? They are going to move the combine yeah, around. It's official, and I don't, I don't really understand how they're going to pull that off because Indy is like uniquely suited with the stadium 
and all the buildings connected uh, to you never really have to walk outside and all the hotels downtown and all the places to eat and all this stuff. It makes a lot of sense to have all that down there. I don't know what happens if you try and have them do it at SoFi Stadium in L.A. Like we've been to Inglewood enough times. Uh, you know what what hotels are everybody staying at? There's it's not like there's a bunch of stuff within walking distance of the stadium. So I don't I don't know how that exactly would work. The NFL probably figures well uh, with COVID, we had to call an audible, you know, every single day, and everything had to change. So we'll deal with it when we get there, right? They'll probably just get the best bid from the best host city, and Maybe. and then go from there. I'm guessing. So, so Danny, what what do you think? Once again, when you go to these combines, you know, what do you hope to come away with after this road trip? I think something pretty similar along the lines to Darren is is talking more to not only, you know, front office staff, but also a chance to kind of pick the brains of some of the scouts too. And, you know, this is where they get their chance to shine, which is really great and kind of getting a feel for that kind of side of things. Um, It is also exciting to get a chance to hear from a lot of these top prospects that are going to be there when they're doing their press conferences at the podiums and just kind of get a feel for everything going up and, and leading up to the draft and and go from there so should be fun if bring warm enough coats there are two events That's that the key. there are two events that when i when i'm sitting there and i'm watching them i'm always questioning my existence like shouldn't you be doing something better with your time calvisi is when i'm watching the pro bowl and when i'm watching the nfl network coverage of the combine and i'm watching offensive linemen go through the three cone drill and whatever else i'm like what am i doing i mean what am what can i possibly glean from this over here and why, why am i not doing something more productive with my time somebody's, than watching these drills from the combine somebody's gleaning because those those tv ratings <laughs> are know. always higher than you'd think you know, know what i wonder though if if you had to pick one of the drills, what drill do you think you would be best at? That I would be best yeah. at? Oh, my God. None of them. Well, You're damn. pretty tall. You could jump pretty high. No, I cannot jump. I couldn't <laughs> jump when I could jump. I certainly can't jump anymore. I heard we're in our meeting today, our staff meeting, and somebody makes a joke about how we should be going through the combine drills. Was that oh, you, Paul? The, no, it was definitely not me. No, <laughs> no, I have no interest myself, in being Rich Eisen. Let Rich Eisen be Rich Eisen. I he can run the 40. I my back running the other day. I spent all day Sunday and early Monday barely being able to get around my house because like I I was so my back was all but gone which was funny because I just went to the restroom earlier today in the building and you know who else threw out his back was training was Mike Bercovici and God bless Mike Bercovici but I saw him he was on crutches he's no closer he's so young I mean he's way closer to my son's age than me and he looks way worse off with his back injury but uh, and, and so like I for the last time, Darren, stop with the deadlifts. Why uh, are you doing deadlifts <laughs> at your age? Stop right, it! Just knock back. it off. My, my so goodness. getting back to your question, Danny, I don't think there's anything. I never had any speed. I definitely never had any hops. Um, just because I'm tall, I might be able to catch the ball, but it would be really slow. I mean, I'd be <laughs> running through that thing really slow. Yeah, somebody, think- somebody once. I I remember doing a tryout for a baseball league one time. And they were trying out all the people, and I got around the bases, and somebody, I, one of the coaches, which always makes you feel good when you're a kid and you have the coach say, I could have timed that with a sundial. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I feel like I'd be okay at the 40 or the drill where you're running, like, laterally across the field, and you have to turn to the left and catch a ball. That's what I'm saying. I could but, do the but catch thing, but I'd I, be really slow. Part of me thinks I'd also be the person that goes viral every year where you are late turning your head, and you get hit in the face, and you have to keep your oh. composure and keep running. Sure. What about you, Paul? 
I'm kind of offended, A, that you asked the question, and B, you didn't answer the question immediately with bench press. I mean, how can you not look at me <laughs> winning the offseason and not think how I would excel, obviously, at the bench press? I just – why is she smiling? I'm I, not doubting why you. Why is she laughing? All, all I know is the last time I was at the Combine, I happened to see live and in person then-ASU punter Matt Turk get <laughs> oh. <laughs> 25 reps on the bench press, and I'm like, oh, my God. That's right. And then they, he went on draft. The receivers yeah. don't even get ten reps. Yeah. Then he went undrafted and had to go back to ASU, and then, yeah, he, and then transferred he transferred from there. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know what, Kyle? If you're still listening at this point, yes, it's still worth drafting a punter. By the way, yeah, don't don't do, the Matt Turk story should not distract anyone from the reality is you should draft. I mean, look at uh, Evan Shooter McPherson and what he did for the Cincinnati Bengals this year as a fifth round pick as their kicker, and he True. went twelve for twelve in the playoffs leading up to the good. Super Bowl. He Come was on now. Good. So maybe I'll just leave it with that mic drop. How about that? Well, you can't no. leave it with a mic drop of you doing the bench press, can you? <laughs> Once again, by the way, you guys glossed over the Tim Hasselbeck comments. You guys realize that Tim Hasselbeck's brother was the franchise quarterback for the Seahawks. And you realize that— We spent all last offseason insisting Russell Wilson wasn't going to be a Seahawk, and then he was a Seahawk. Well, then he went and on Aaron the— Aaron Rodgers wasn't going to be a Packer, and he was a Packer. Yeah. By the way, by the way, the four teams that Russell Wilson, Team Russ, offered last offseason that he'd be willing to go to because he has the no trade, Chicago, obviously they have Justin Fields now, the Raiders, Derek Carr had a heck of a season, Dallas, well, they paid Dak Prescott, New Orleans was the fourth team, dot, dot, dot. Ooh, my eyebrows are raised. Does New Orleans need a quarterback? Yes, they do. Now, are they also like 70-plus million over the cap? Exactly. Yes, they are. But I, How I, that, I, yeah. that would take some yeah. incredible cap gymnastics. That's why Sean Payne just said it Peace was a good out. run. Yeah. And by the way, the graphic, and we tweeted this out at Paul Calvici, the graphic at the bottom read, Russell Wilson wants out, and I think the Seahawks would be happy to move him, quote-unquote, attributed to Tim Hasselbeck. So I'm uh, just saying there could be movement in the NFC West when it comes to quarterback. Just look at Seattle national media based on some of these murmurs we're getting now and some of these reports. And we'll leave it there on this National Palindrome Day and National Margarita Day here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation on 2-22-22.